Here First is sponsored by UCS Healthcare, proudly delivering healthcare services across Iowa, specializing in mental health, substance use disorder treatment, and medical care with a special focus on LGBTQIA plus healthcare. More at ucsonline.org. Today is Thursday. It's the 26th of January. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. A bill advancing in the Iowa House would ask the state's three public universities to report to lawmakers with definitions for certain topics found in teacher training courses. Many of the terms on the list tie into accusations from conservative activists that education colleges promote a liberal worldview. Among other things, the list mentions anti-racist and anti-oppressive teaching, equitable teaching practices, and diversity in education. Connie Ryan of Interfaith Alliance of Iowa asked why those and other terms were being targeted. I don't understand why peace building is on the list. I don't understand why teaching with a humanizing orientation is on the list. I don't understand why equity of access to education is on the list. Democratic Representative Monica Kurth of Davenport says she's concerned the bill is a witch hunt. Republican Representative Schuyler Wheeler of Hull denies that. He says taxpayers should know more about what teachers are taught at public universities. The bill advanced to the House Education Committee. Senate Republicans at the State House advanced a bill yesterday that would limit payouts to Iowans who win medical malpractice lawsuits. We get those details from IPR's Katerina Sestarek. The proposal would prevent juries from awarding more than $1 million for non-economic damages and medical malpractice judgments unless the provider displayed actual malice. Opponents say it would deny justice to Iowans when medical malpractice causes severe injury or death. Former Trump administration official Sam Clovis is suing Western Iowa medical providers, alleging their negligence left him paralyzed from the chest down. He's criticizing Republican lawmakers for trying to limit jury awards. They say they protect life and then they turn right around and try to assign a value to that. That, frankly, is wrong and it's immoral. Medical providers support the bill, saying the lack of jury award limits is a major factor in Iowa's health care workforce shortage. Two weeks after Iowa lifted its ban on live bird exhibits, agriculture officials have confirmed a case of bird flu in northwest Iowa. A spokesman for the Iowa Department of Agriculture says there are nearly 28,000 commercial turkeys in the affected Buena Vista County flock. The turkeys are being destroyed to control the spread of highly pathogenic avian influenza. The spokesman says they're encouraging poultry producers and backyard flock owners to continue taking extra care to keep diseases and viruses off their farms. Iowa leads the nation in the number of chickens and turkeys killed because of the virus since last year, nearly 16 million. A federal EPA report says Iowa's soil has the nation's worst concentration of radon, with about seven in every ten Iowa homes containing enough of the gas that action is needed. Liz Orton is outreach coordinator for the Iowa Cancer Consortium and says radon is invisible, tasteless, and odorless, and it's also radioactive. Radon occurs naturally in the soil. It's given off by radium and uranium. Iowa has a large concentration of this, and the reason that it's harmful is because Radon gas um, can get into your lungs and it can actually cause lung cancer. Radon is the second leading cause of lung cancer in Iowa behind tobacco use. Orton recommends every Iowa homeowner invest in a radon test kit as radon levels in Iowa are almost seven times higher than the national average. And a Democratic National Committee panel has voted to give New Hampshire and Georgia more time to make changes that would allow both to be part of a revamped group of five states leading off that party's presidential primary starting next year. 
But even as they voted to extend the deadline until June 3rd, members of the DNC Rules Committee complained about New Hampshire's ongoing feud with the National Party over the new calendar. The committee previously voted to replace Iowa in the leadoff spot with South Carolina and have New Hampshire and Nevada go second, followed by Georgia and Michigan. This is Here First from IPR News. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Stigma continues to surround people living with addiction. It is present in medical settings, too, and can negatively impact the quality of care received by someone who uses substances. Side Effects Public Media's Darren Benson reports one researcher wants to see if theatrical portrayals of life with addiction can help reduce stigma among medical professionals. Belle Smith has had several negative experiences in healthcare settings. She remembers one in particular that made her cry. A few years ago, she was living in South Carolina, using heroin, and didn't have access to a clean syringe. The needle broke in her arm and caused an infection. Smith says the hospital refused to give her anesthesia and opted to use a local numbing agent while they tried to get the needle out. She says it was incredibly painful. Looked up at one of the nurses, obviously in pain, and she said, well, then maybe you just shouldn't do heroin. And I just remember just like silently crying while they dug in my arm. Research suggests Smith is not alone. A systematic review based on more than two dozen studies found that most healthcare professionals hold negative attitudes toward patients with substance use disorders. These attitudes can result in patients receiving suboptimal care. Smith's experience led her on the path to becoming an occupational therapist. She wants to help people with substance use disorders navigate life after they leave inpatient treatment, rehab, or incarceration without misusing substances. While in grad school, Smith came across work from Sally Wasmuth, an assistant professor of occupational therapy at Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis, who does work on reducing stigma, including stigma about addiction. Smith shared her story with Wasmuth. She's one of dozens of people with experience using substances that Wasmuth has spoken with in recent years. Wasmuth works with a theater company to turn those stories into monologues, working with professional actors to create video productions. In one of the recorded monologues, actor Ryan Ruckman portrays a man who had a rough time as a teen, and it led him to drink alcohol and smoke cannabis every day. Me and my friends, we do drugs, and I'm feeling so numb and good and perfect. And I turned to them and I said, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. Each production includes five or six monologues about showing the diversity of people's experiences with substance use. So far, these recorded theater productions have reached more than 5,000 healthcare workers across the country. We really not only want to reduce societal stigma, but we specifically want to reduce implicit biases and stigma among healthcare providers so that people can get better care. Wasmuth believes the films can be a better method for implicit bias training compared to traditional trainings used. We think that using narratives and using things like theater and film can help people receive the information or empathize with the stories because their guard is down. They're just kind of relaxing and listening to people's stories. Before and after viewing the film, doctors, nurses, and other hospital staff participate in a research study and take a survey on stigma. 
The results are preliminary, not yet published, but Wasmuth says on average, after healthcare workers watch the production, they have a slightly less negative attitude toward people who use substances. Rachel McFadden is an occupational therapist at Eskenazi Health in Indianapolis. She heard about Wasmuth's research and immediately signed up to facilitate the trainings. McFadden says the productions help humanize an often uncomfortable and taboo topic and make for more compassionate healthcare professionals. To check our biases and to hear the perspective of someone else and know the power that our words have and know the power that we have to turn things around and make them go positively or the power that we have to negatively impact someone is really important and it helps us guide us to provide the best care for people. The next steps for Wasmuth's research include tracking whether the reduction in stigma among health workers persists long term and measuring whether patients who use substances feel more satisfied with the care they receive after their providers receive the training. I'm Darian Benson, Side Effects Public Media. Side Effects Public Media is a Midwest reporting collaboration, including IPR News, exploring the impact of place policy and economics on Americans' health. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Be sure to subscribe wherever you find your podcasts so you can listen every day.